Welcome back to Animation's Fascination. I'm Mark Viber, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hey there. Uh, this podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry and a main topic discussing a TV series, film, or something else. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it is animated, it is up for discussion to geek out about. Uh, this week, our main topic is going to be about the new Disney Pixar film, Lightyear. Uh, but before we get into our review and kind of recap of what we thought about that film later in this episode, we're going to kind of cover uh, new releases and news and trailers from uh, the past uh, two weeks or so. And there was a lot <laughs> that came out. There's There's quite a bit. Yeah, we could probably almost do like a whole episode just on on just this I know, news. right? <laughs> Lots of news. Uh, and the first thing uh, it's kind of part of our like our Cinemark review segment we've been doing, like where I've been reviewing uh, like movies or TV shows. Uh, so this one's kind of movie and TV show adjacent. Where I think it was you that actually told me about this. A vinyl record that was available was that you, Stanford? Possibly, might, yeah. You know, okay. it's been a little while, right? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a seven-inch orange vinyl uh, record from uh, Disney Music Emporium of the the band, the fictional band from the the Disney Pixar film Turning Red, uh, Four Town. Uh, with the you know the music by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell uh, performed by that fictional band, um, and, and then on there it's it's got three songs. The first side is Nobody Like You and One True Love, and then the opposite side is You Know What's Up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah like I said, it's the seven inch, so it's like a, one of the you know the smaller yeah uh, vinyl records. Uh, it's like this really bright orange. And I'm I'm also gonna link it in our show notes too. But our, our buddy Ralph, who's been on the like past episodes uh, many years ago before we took our hiatus, uh, and then hopefully we'll be on again some day in the future. I uh, also got this, and on his uh, channel, uh, Cue the Music, he did a, like a whole kind of review of this as well. And one of the things I definitely agree with him on this is that for the amount that you pay for shipping from disney music emporium they don't really do uh like the the packaging super well for these because it, it comes in uh i don't know if you've, you've gotten anything from like disney movie club i have yeah and it's that same sort of packaging right yeah so yeah where it's like that cardboard that's kind of almost like it's not vacuum sealed but it's like form yeah Fit, but like around whatever's in there not which, really yeah, sturdy. basically leaves it open yeah it leaves it open to like whatever's inside to you could get, bend it you know yeah, to get crunched or bent yeah or uh yeah so like on on the packaging for that that's how it was like it was bent and like shoved in the mailbox uh there's like nothing on like the the packaging and the shipping that says do not bend <laughs> Or anything like that on there, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, like the re- like the record itself was fine, uh, but it's just weird that you have to pay so much for shipping, and yeah, it's not really. It's like like lousy. It's like substandard. Shipping. Yeah, it's like by 
by the the inverse like uh like ralph and i just happened to get like two of like the same records this past week because he also reviewed this other one on on his show the cue the music too which was the the muppet movie uh green kermit green uh vinyl record from oh, my cool. 8-bit yeah and that one by inverse the shipping was cheaper and it came in this nice sturdy case yeah like a, one of those like pole like cord kind of yes cardboard things so on you it. Said, it like, like, a, like a nice cardboard box and it had it like wrapped it's bubble wrap yeah. or something you know <laughs> yeah and there's a nice warning on there that says do not bend do not bend and it, like, and it even has like a sticker on there to keep out of the heat because you know uh, vinyl melts See. and seeing as how i live in arizona that's uh, definitely a good it's important uh, warning to have on there to to the deliverer yeah but i think the disney music people need some feedback yeah, <laughs> on <I> think, this <laughs> i think that's my main complaint about that because when i got i got the encanto record from them too which was like an emerald green one yeah but that one was like a full-size record so it came in like different packaging okay uh, which was actually a little bit sturdier but I don't know why they they charge so much for shipping, especially when it's like for these smaller ones. Like yeah, and again, and, a lousy job. But yeah. yeah. But anyways, the the vinyl does sound really nice. the The music, uh, if you enjoyed it from the movie, uh, is great and it sounds good on the vinyl record. So, uh, it's about uh, thirteen dollars still on their website, and then you'll pay about not that much for another, shipping, right? Yeah, about that much for shipping too. So, yeah, yeah. So just be, yeah, just be aware that if you do order that, that uh, you'll pay for the record, and then about the same for shipping for like substandard shipping. Um, but yeah, I I would just, I would suggest it purely for the record and the the music alone. And I like getting like every once in a while like these records that are like you know like the different colored uh, vinyl whether it's like anything from like the mondo uh music uh, like with the records that they do or just like in general it's, it's always cool to see like a different colored oh yeah uh, vinyl record playing this rather is super than just cool like, you know like the like the standard uh, like black yeah um, but yeah that's that's the the cinemark review for this week uh, tapping into the vinyl record collection now but Segwaying from there to our news for the week, our the beginning of our just massive list of news. Uh, we've talked about this already. Well, kind of connected to this a little bit, in that the they had ordered the spinoff to Harley Quinn uh, to series recently, uh, but now the Harley Quinn season three uh, finally has kind of a premiere date for it. It's going to be coming uh, later this summer, and it looks, I don't believe there's a, like, a firm date other than, it, so they, they said summer, so that could be, you know, this month, be, which, yeah. I, which, I, which <laughs> I'm assuming it's it's not, because... Early September. Yeah. Yeah, it can be any time between, a, technically, oh, and then this is for the, our hemisphere, too, not for... Yeah, the southern southern atmosphere. Because technically, for them, it would already be almost right. the other one. That's right, opposite. Yeah, so anytime between June twenty first to September 
21st ish sometime in that frame so i'm i'm assuming it'll probably be in july mid-july because it usually that's when they say like summer for that it tends to be sometime during that yeah uh i i am definitely looking forward to this because i've enjoyed the first two seasons of this so far uh, i'm curious to see uh, kind of what they'll do with this third season as well and then especially if they're now doing the spinoff i wonder how maybe since uh, the character of kite man is going to be going to like his own series with that that spinoff if they'll kind of write that into this third season or more because the the end of the second season kind of leaves up his uh basically his role in that series up to up to whatever happens next basic from there so it should be i'm i'm curious what they do because they do a lot of like subversive stuff in the show they do a lot of fun stuff like with batman characters and I'm just I'm just looking forward to more of this show because it's always a good surprise and Alan Tudyk does a a great job as both uh, Clayface and the Joker in it. Uh, Tony Hale is Doctor Psycho in there. Ron uh, Finkus is King Shark, and then you got Jason Alexander as Cyborgman and JB Smoove as Frank the Plant. What a uh, great with... voice cast! Holy smokes! Yeah, and then Kaylee Kuko is uh, Harley Quinn, and Lake Bell is Poison Ivy. Oh wow! And I'm also I'm also glad that Lake Bell is getting more uh, substantial voice work. Like she's she was already doing like a lot of stuff, but I'm glad that she's getting kind of more higher and higher yeah. tiered stuff. And side note to that, I highly suggest anyone check out if they haven't seen it her film In a World, um, all about uh, like voiceover acting and yeah. like for trailers and stuff it, that's a a great almost it's not really autobiographical but a definitely good uh from like a point of view that she definitely knows a lot about yeah so, so she's but, yeah she can give firsthand knowledge <laughs> about this about that yeah. yeah uh but yeah going from there uh what's the the next bit of news so there's a new ghostbusters animated series that's in development at Netflix. Um, Variety published this news. Um, exact plot details are currently being kept under wraps, but it's cool that the series is going to be coming from, of course, Sony Pictures Animation. Uh, Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two films, you know, and, and Jason Reitman directed Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, yeah. which I thought was a great. I really enjoyed Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, yeah, I like that too. As far as film sequels go, uh, he's he's a, a executive producer along with Gil Keenan, who who I believe um, co-wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife with Reitman as well. So uh, yeah, no no specifics or no timeline listed, but it's cool to know that it's uh, in development. Also, just kind of note. Uh, if this project gets greenlit, it will it will be the third animated Ghostbusters show in franchise history. Previously, the real Ghostbusters um, aired for 140 yes. episodes, uh, mostly on ABC and now uh, and in syndication from 1986 to 1991. I remember that show, but I don't remember watching it. You know what I mean? So I knew it existed, but did you ever ever see? 
Oh man, Eddie, I, I love I love the 1986 series. Well, I was born in 1986, uh, but there's maybe I'll post it on the Animation Fascination Instagram. But there's a there's a picture of me and my sister, I think at my fourth birthday party when I was turning four, where I've got a real Ghostbusters sweatshirt on, real Ghostbusters sweatpants on. My dude, awesome the birthday. The birthday cake has the Ghostbusters logo on it. Okay. The so. table has yeah, like the like the real Ghostbusters like party decoration uh, tablecloth on it. So I I was a a huge fan of the real. That's Ghostbusters. so cool. Okay. Uh, and then uh, yeah, like as we all know, Ecto Cooler came came from the real Ghostbusters TV series. Uh, so we have we have that to thank for it. And then our our buddy. Uh, uh, Jason Marsden was one of the voice actors for its its follow up, the Extreme Ghostbusters. Extreme series. Ghostbusters, yeah, yeah. They were and when, only and f- that one was kind kind of similar ishness in a way to the the Ghostbusters Afterlife in that uh, it's kind of like Egon passing on the baton to like a a new generation of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like that's what that that one is all about. Um, and that Negan is the, the leader in that one as well. That that one, the animation's a lot different. It's kind of more in the vein of uh, like a lot of the Klasky Kasupo uh, animated oh, okay. yeah. stuff, like like Nicktoons, like you know, like Aerial Monsters or Rugrats. That's that's more what I would kind of uh, put it under for like that kind of animation style. But part of me is actually hoping <laughs> that this new series is maybe like a just like a continuation of those two uh oh uh-huh. in some in some way or form but kind of uh going off of that and related to that that at that same point uh they also announced a ghostbusters animated feature was in the works with both jason reitman and gil kennan uh gil kennan uh, also worked on on the film uh, monster house too so I feel like if like these series and like the film animated film are done kind of like in that same humor and style as Monster House was done where it's it's not like it's it's scary but it's like appropriate for all ages scary kind of similar to like I know a lot of the jokes actually in retrospect in Ghostbusters aren't <laughs> Uh, good for all ages. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, especially some scenes with uh, uh, Ray and being in bed. I'm just gonna, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so, so I, I'm curious, like, what this movie will be, because from this, it sounds like the film is it's gonna be, it's like its own thing. It's not part of the canon. It won't be connected in any way to like any of the prior films like the 1984 films the uh 2016 ghostbusters answer the call film or uh, afterlife at all it'll just kind of be like its own thing and part of me is kind of hoping there was a a comic book run that idw did that was called crossing over uh which was that that 1984 uh, film team, uh, cl- classic four team, 
then it was the 1986 cartoon series team, the extreme Ghostbusters team from the animated series, and the the IDW version of the Ghostbusters team, and then the uh, 2016 Ghostbusters Answer to the Call team, uh, all kind of cross over and meet each other in like this multiversal storyline where they all have to help each other where this like rift opens up in the multiverse from their ghost traps in in each of their respective universes and they have to work together to close that so i think that that could be a cool idea to do uh for an animated feature where it's not technically uh within the canon of of any of that stuff but still kind of plays off of pre-existing canon of like you know the, those series and movies and i think that maybe could even be an easier way to get some of the people to come back and do just voices for it rather than you know having to, like if if they were to try to do them live action it would probably definitely be harder to get the four actresses from ghostbusters answer the call with uh, the three surviving members of the 1984 team and and then of course you can't really bring the bring the animated series characters into live action outside of some weird like maybe who framed roger rabbit type things going on yeah but i i think that could be a cool idea to maybe do do that for that netflix film that they're developing with them and especially since the the multiverse is is very popular nowadays as well too that it could be a, a a cool train from them to hop on to and I, I think that would be a, an exciting way to do that, too. But what do you think? I like all your ideas, Mark. They need to be listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just excited that there's Ghostbusters stuff involved. And I like that Jason Ryman is involved. You know, yeah, I just, and, just To me, that just seems uh, something special, like in the best sense of the word, you know, about it. Yeah. And it, it's, it wasn't... It's not fully animated per se but they did also announce that they're doing uh, another sequel to the the live action feature films uh, after afterlife which is just codenamed firehouse for now so uh, we'll see what comes from that too yeah exactly you know good stuff from the ghostbusters camp i think yeah yeah and uh speaking of netflix uh netflix is also going to be uh, doing another season of of uh, the Masters of the Universe yeah. show that they did. Um, they did Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation, which I I didn't watch that. Mark, did you see any of that? I read, you know, according to this article uh, from Superhero Hype, saying that 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 sh- that, that uh, season proved to be divisive among He He Man fans. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember Kevin Smith getting uh, very many uh, a butthurt uh, tweet sent to him about different things that were done, much in much in the same way uh, a lot of people were like with the Last Jedi being divisive among among Star Wars Star Wars fans. fans which yeah, I guess was kind of the the first uh, hint of just 
Star Wars in general, or like fan, Star Wars fans nowadays in general, uh, just being polarizing in and of themselves of each other, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of started to reach its way into uh, the Masters of the Universe He-Man fandom as well. With me, it, it didn't really uh, like affect me in any way because I didn't have any kind of like pre-existing nostalgia or yeah. Uh, like, cause I never, I never watched He-Man when I was growing up at all. So when I, when I watched this, uh, when I watched Revelation, I just watched it for the show that it was uh, and, and being in Kevin Smith. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. No worries. Exactly. I, um, now I haven't finished fully the, uh, Revelation portion of it. I have maybe two or three episodes left. Oh, okay. That, that first, first season and they kind of split it up and they released it too. It was like. A six-episode chunk, and then another six-episode chunk. Or I think it might have been five. I don't remember off the top of my head. But I think it's cool that they're following it up uh, with uh, from Revelation to Revolution. Yeah, to Revolution. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like that, too. And so Kevin and, Smith is back. You yeah. know, he's going to be executive producer and serve as the showrunner. Um, yeah. And so it must have done well enough, even with his divisiveness, you know, with the fan, with the fan base that... They're going to be creating, um, you know, another another season. There's not a release date, but uh, superhero hype is, is thinking sometime in 2023 or 2024. Yeah, that, that would make sense just with how long it would take to do yeah. animation for this. Yep. And from like what I've watched it so far too, and it, I know I just made the Last Jedi uh, kind of comparison, which which is kind of uh, kind of funny since that. Uh, Mark Hamill does the voice of Skeletor in this series, so it's already connected by by that for it. Yeah. Uh, and he does a great he does a great job as, as Skeletor in here too. So, and I I really like the animation in this. It it's almost done in a way that like evokes uh, like the like nineteen eighties heavy metal. Oh, okay, cool. Like album covers. Yeah, and like especially like their opening art to like the actual. Each episode itself does that, so I'll, I'll definitely check this out whether it comes out next year or the the year after, and that definitely gives me plenty of time to finish up. To those finish last. up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm just glad to get more animation done in this style too, because it's that like the hand. I know it might not necessarily technically be hand drawn, but it, it's done yeah. in a hand drawn animation style. Uh, and Netflix has a, a few different He-Man animated series going on because they have like that strictly CG He-Man animated series that's on right now too. That's completely separate from this, and the only way that it's related is that they're it's about He-Man, same, same characters, <laughs> but not, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I guess could be confusing, but isn't? Yeah, cause yeah, cause if you can have multiple Batman, multiple Flash, multiple yeah. Spider-Man, you can have you can have multiple he man you know yeah he he man and then he men uh, so <laughs> right <laughs> yep uh, he men in the multiverse of skeletor of skeletor revolution yeah. <laughs> but a, a nice segue from that is yeah another like like i've said the multiverse is it's it's so hot right now it's like let's like hansel from zoolander uh is that for Spider-Man across 
the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, they rec recently at the Annecy Festival in France announced the uh, basically the, the main villain of this of the sequel, and it's going to be the Spot, uh, and it's going to be voiced by Jason Schwartzman. So that is very exciting. I thought that was really, really exciting news. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and, and the Spot is like this villain that has like all these like mental. Yeah, multi-dimensional portals like all over uh, their body uh, that can basically just open up these portals to different spots and whatnot. And like in this art uh, that they showed from it, I'm not sure if it's like an actual frame from the film. Yeah, I'm not sure there was some sort not. of promotional drawing, but I it, yeah. I thought I read that they handed it out as a poster at Annecy too. So I was glad they finally put the clip out on social media. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, or the not and the clip, you know the the picture, you know the the image. Yeah, and, and it's like this this picture of Miles uh, kicking the spot in the the chest, uh, but by doing so, he's actually kicking uh, Spider Gwen, yeah, in the face, <laughs> like I'm like, because, in the corner of the, of the picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely curious because this will be cool to see if they release it in 3D like they did the first film too. Uh, just because, like, if like if there's like dimension to those spots on on the spot's body, that could be interesting to see how like the the depth is played with, uh, like with like three D space on that too. And that shot looks like it's also in Miles' version of New York. Yeah. Too from from what you can tell, it looks like they're like falling through the sky. But I I am really looking. At, forward to that movie coming out next year i was looking forward to it coming out this year but i can wait well they changed the release date i know it's a bummer but i'm glad and they're making two of them yeah so and, I, and i'm glad that it's not like called across spider-verse part one and part two anymore that, that they're like each have their own titles yeah uh, that that makes it much uh, more clever in the titling in my opinion i agree uh, but going from Spider-Man to to Star Wars, so you know Star Wars Celebration uh, wrapped up a few weeks ago, and I I did not attend, but they were really good about they being you know the Star Wars Celebration media you know social media team. They just put so much of the stuff out on you know twitter and, and instagram right. and whatnot so anyway it was all in some ways i kind of fell and then youtube they you know they did a youtube stream every day I, I i watched some of that as i could um but anyway one of the things that was announced there was was season two of the bad batch and uh they showed a trailer and, and from what i understand that the trailer is still not online yet but one of the things that gets gets um revealed is that Commander Cody is going to be in um, the Bad Batch season two, so yeah. that's pretty cool. Because uh, so I'm just trying to think. The last time we saw Commander Cody was um, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I would say it was. Yeah, it was basically to to call down. Uh, basically, well, executing Order sixty six on Obi Wan. Right. So, and it was just after he gave him back his lightsaber. Uh, we now we 
I talked about this a little bit on the episode of uh, the Holden Maneuver I did last week uh, for uh, when Part 4 of Obi-Wan Kenobi came out. So I, I'm excited to see, it, like, because I, I would assume, like, there's two different possibilities of how Commander Cody could show up in this, whether it's a Commander Cody that still has his inhibitor chipped yep. uh, intact, and he's, you know, still would go against any Jedi or try to kill any Jedi, or it could be a Commander Cody that has had his inhibitor chip uh, removed, um, much like the Bad Batch and uh, uh, Rex and, and a bunch of other uh, clones that we've met recently or through the years. Uh, to see, not because I think that could be cool to play with too, because if he has, has his chip removed or if they do it like within the episode that he's in, and then he kind of like is dealing with uh, like the regret of what he maybe assumes is killing Obi. Maybe he thinks that he killed Obi Wan. Uh, that could be interesting to play around with that because all he, all he knows that maybe he did. Yeah. Do that. So I, I'm curious to see what the, what they'll do with the character uh, and how exactly he'll show up on the show. But I'm definitely excited for that. Oh, me too, and. I just think it's gonna be nice to. I think we're gonna hope, hopefully get. I mean, not that he's they're gonna kill him off instantly, but that we're gonna get kind of an end to Co- Commander Cody's story, you know, uh, yeah. just just the way you're describing and and uh, rather than just being left in limbo, <laughs> like where where we've been, oh, yeah. yeah, with this character, for sure. Uh, and then going from there too, like another thing I'm definitely excited about is. The third Paddington film. Now, yeah. Paddington 2, as uh, Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal can ad- uh, agree to and affirm to us <laughs> as well, pa- Paddington 2 is a masterpiece. Uh, it's, it's it's definitely one of my favorite films of all time. It's just like a perfect movie, you know? Yeah, because if, if we're kind and polite, the world will be right, as Paddington will say. Yeah. Uh, and the much talked about third film is finally underway and getting kind of the the ball rolling for that. And the third movie is going to be called Paddington in Peru. Now it's going to have a new director with uh, uh, Dougal Wilson. Uh, so the director of the first two films, Paul King, who brought the first two movies to the the screen, is not directing the third one. Uh, but he is still attached as a producer, and he did help to craft the story for the third film with uh, regular collaborators Simon Farnaby and Mark Burton. Uh, and then Burton, John Foster, and James Lamont have also since written a uh, like a full draft of a script as well. So with this, uh, I'm I'm just I'm just very very excited about this and I'm looking forward to the possibilities of this and I, I'm really hoping it's just as good as the first two films which uh, like we've kind of just set like a very high bar for that but uh, and hopefully Ben Wishaw would uh, be coming back as padding yeah. for the third film you'd, you'd think that that would be the case but I guess you know, we'll see yeah so hopefully, hopefully he's coming back, and uh, fingers crossed it's 
just as good or, or on the same level as those first two films in the in the Paddington uh, franchise, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, another story, Mark, is the uh, uh, we got a first look finally of of uh, Guillermo del Toro's stop motion uh, version of Pinocchio that he's been working yeah. on. And uh, this comes from Vanity Fair. And uh, it's it's cool to see these uh, pictures. You know, there's a couple of pictures from the from the production. And then there's also, I, I love the picture of, of Guillermo del Toro holding the stop-motion animated puppet of Pinocchio. You know, oh, yeah. lo- looking at it. That's, that's, that's a really cool, uh, that's a cool picture. You know, uh, there's a... This this is uh, coming to Netflix at at the end of twenty twenty two. Does that yes. sound right, Mark? Am I saying am I saying that? Uh, yeah, it's going to premiere yeah. on network, in, on Netflix in December of twenty twenty two. I'm not sure if they've announced the specific date. Um, the stuff I'm reading, which, be, which was excuse me, yeah, I would assume would be I would I would assume would be maybe close to like Christmas. Christmas. Or, that's what I'm 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 around uh, that time. I'm thinking too. So. Just as a refresher, Del Toro is is uh, working with Mark Gustafson. I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering his name. Uh, he was the animation, the stop motion animation director on the Fantastic Mr. Fox film, yeah. which I loved that too. So and uh, I think you know it's been interesting. Guillermo Del Toro uh, was quoted in the magazine. I just like to read this quote. Uh, he says, "I've always been." Very intrigued by the links between Pinocchio and Frankenstein. I mean, isn't that just like classic Guillermo del Toro? (laughs) Back to the quote. They are both about a child that is thrown into the world. They are both created by a father who then expects them to figure out what's good, what's bad, the ethics, the morals, love, life, and essentials on their own. I think that was, for me, childhood. You had to figure it out with your very limited experience. Um... Anyway, I you know that just even has me more intrigued from from uh, for what what's uh, what's in store for us. I think it's going to be ambitious. Yeah. I think it's going to be dark. I think it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, um, I'm uh, I, I'm excited about it. What's what's what are your thoughts on this uh, on his his Pinocchio? Yeah, I'm looking forward to his take on it. It's kind of funny that we're getting two different Pinocchio movies this yeah. year too, because we're getting the the Disney Plus the uh, Disney Plus thing version of the 1940s Disney animated Pinocchio movie uh, with Tom Hanks, but then we're getting uh, Guillermo del Toro's stop motion animated Pinocchio film as well. So two very different takes on it. Yeah. Uh, and then the cast for this is pretty cool too. Like Ewan McGregor is playing Sebastian J. Cricket. Yeah, who's the, uh, the version of Jiminy Cricket in, the, in this yeah. film? Yeah. Uh, and then you got Christoph Waltz as a the villain uh, Count Volpe. Uh, and so, like, I like this too because it's not like just like a one for one like retelling of like the Pinocchio. Like story. the it's, Disney one, I can anticipate that Robert yeah. Zemeckis one is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I like, and it's kind of like. I almost feel like it's like how he made the reference to Frankenstein. I feel like it's almost going to essentially be like if you melded the story of 
like Murray Shelley's Frankenstein with Pinocchio into one story and yeah. it with Guillermo del Toro's sensibilities. This is what it'll be uh, with like uh, so like Kate Blanchett is playing a monkey named Spaz Spazatura, and then uh, Ron Perlman is also going to be playing the author. Yeah. What is it? Uh, authoritarian uh, official with uh, sinister designs in mind for Pinocchio. Uh, the can the character, uh, son Candlewick will also uh, be voiced by Finn Wolfhard. So all all of our uh, stories are kind of like weirdly tangentially connected to each other this week, because you got Finn Wolfhard from Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. Now in this, and then Ewan McGregor is in Star Wars. Uh, so <laughs> I I just realized that as we were like going through this, how everything's kind of everything's more, yeah interconnected somehow. Kind of, yeah, has like a six degrees. Of six degrees. <laughs> yeah. And and speaking of that too, uh, uh, you know how there was the Star Wars micro series of the Clone Wars. Oh my Wars? gosh, I love that so much. That that was done by a man called Gendy Tartakovsky. Gendy. Uh, who our next bit of news is about. Uh, he just inked an overall deal with Cartoon Network Studios and Warner Brothers Animation. Basically, so like with them, uh, he's he's been doing stuff with them, like especially Cartoon Network for like a long time between like Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Samurai Jack, the, like I just said, the micro series, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and then more recently, Tart. Uh, Tarkovsky's uh, Primal. Uh, so with like that deal, it basically opens him up to work with and have to into like the different like huge and character franchise lab- libraries. Not only like through Cartoon Network Studios, but also Warner Brothers Animation. Uh, so like within that, the terms of that, Tarkovsky uh, can develop, create, and produce original animated programming at both uh, Cartoon Network Studios. And Warner Brothers Animation intended for a variety of audiences and for all television platforms, including HBO Max and external uh, streaming services, uh, cable and broadcast networks. Uh, and then, so this basically gives like Tarkovsky like this huge freedom that he's kind of had for a while now between all those series. I, I think the only... Like, definitely they do have a sensibilities to it, but I think the only kind of projects that he's done in the past few years that aren't, like, squarely, 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 uh, like, you know, like, his point of view uh, are what I think would be, like, the Hotel Transylvania films that he directed. Yeah. Uh, but you can, like, you can tell those are definitely Tartakovsky films, because even in the CG animation, they're animated within that same style yeah exactly and like tone especially the first hotel transylvania is is definitely a tartakovsky movie. yeah yeah and i'm still bummed that we never got that popeye movie that he was i know i was just even at the same thing mark that's such a bummer yeah. <laughs> that looks so cool and, and i don't think we'll ever get it too because yeah because popeye's paramount so that's that's kind of a bummer but uh, this this is definitely exciting to see like what he'll be able to work on especially if he's got like the entire Warner Brothers library open to him as well as the entire Cartoon Network Studios library open to him that 
is a huge it's a uh, great sandbox to be in <laughs> no question yeah. he's gonna do some really cool stuff i'm excited about that and he also unveiled footage at nsc uh of his latest series called uh, unicorn warriors eternal uh which is with cartoon network and warner brothers animation and it's uh an event series set in a steampunk universe pictured in 2D look textures, um, the series melds teen coming of age angst and supernatural fantasy as ancient unicorn heroes reawakened too early in the bodies of teenagers have to protect the world from the forces of darkness. Uh, so, and I guess in like the sneak peek they showed, it, it showed a monster assailing uh, townsfolk only to be fought off by a sword bearing figure in neo-medieval garb and a sidekick with a top hat luminescent green eyes and steel barreled body and then a young goth looking girl potentially one of the heroes of the series watches on uh trembling with fear so that definitely sounds sounds cool yep i'm excited anything that he does i am always i am always on board and always interested yeah yeah so really happy about this, about this yes. contract. Uh, you know, lots of stuff coming to HBO Max, uh, including a new movie musical that is, uh, it's a Looney Tunes movie musical. Uh, this, I believe, also was announced at, at Annecy, but they're calling it Bye Bye Bunny, a Looney Tunes musical. Um, and all I know is that they said it's coming soon to to, uh, to HBO Max, and I guess it's going to play on Cartoon Network too, since of course they're all in the same um, corporate family. But this is this is from Warner Brothers Animation, and and it's an original animated family movie. The synopsis is: After starring in a long-running Looney Tunes Broadway smash production, an exhausted Bugs Bunny decides it's time to trade in sold-out shows. For life as a regular rabbit. Even, excuse me, ever the spotlight opportunist Daffy Duck attempts to step into the lead role, but his star ambitions are quickly sidetracked when he is kidnapped by an obsessive fan who has more sinister plans for her favorite stage duck. Um, with his ticket to Broadway retirement in danger, Bug sets off to on a rescue mission to find Daffy, and with the help of his Looney Tune co-stars, hopefully his joy of performing again. This, uh, uh, this, the creative team has got screenplay and lyrics by Emmy Award winner Ariel Dumas um, with music and orchestration by Pulitzer Prize Tony and Grammy winner Tom, uh, Tom Kitt. So um, veteran animator Brandon Jeffords serves as director and supervising producer and Sam Register serves as executive producer. So uh, what's your take? What do you think about this movie, Mark? I think it's going to be... Any good? Is it going to be? <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. This sounds cool. Yeah, I I like the idea of like a fully like narrative uh, Looney Tunes film that kind of like just follows like the story of like Bugs Bunny like as it's because I don't like outside outside of like the like Space Jam movies. I don't I don't I can't remember like a straight up like narrative yeah like narrative film. it's just like a bit of either a compilation something you know or 
Uh, yeah, and I don't yeah. think the Tiny Toons How I Spent My Summer Vacation uh, <laughs> TV right. special. I don't, I don't think that counts. It doesn't count. Uh, but speaking of that, I kind what I was thinking of when it says her favorite duck, that almost almost makes me hope that they somehow work Elmira. I was thinking of Elmira too, just like yeah. smothering Daffy Duck, you know, yeah. or or you know being so ticked, at, you know, because because she wants Bugs Bunny back on the stage, you know. Anyway, however they're gonna do yeah. it, almost yeah, almost like if you mixed the Tiny Tunes and Looney Tunes, yeah, with, uh, with Misery. <laughs> I was also thinking of Gabby Bates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so uh, animation fascination exclusive. Kathy Bates has been, has been cast <laughs> as Elmira. Has been cast as, as Elmira, uh, who will be kidnapping Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck, uh, wrecking and, his Broadway. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And spo- spoiler alert: there'll be a, a crossover with uh, Daffy's friend that he made during the shooting of Friend Roger Rabbit, and Donald Duck will be yes. Uh, will come in to to save his, his best friend <laughs> exactly they call, they call they call themselves the muggy ducks <laughs> i like it uh, but yeah i'll watch this and that sounds like it's got a like a good talented group of people working yeah on it exactly between, like, good creative team the music and i like musicals too so it'll be cool that they have like music uh segued through this to the different scenes and Looney Tunes has always kind of been very uh, connected to music in general, whether it's right. like you know, like the like the barber, like the famous barber animated short, or yeah, a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to. This. Did that have a date on it, or was it? No, no date. Just is coming soon. All right. So. So. Yeah. Could be this year. Could be next oh, year. Oh, that's what I'm like thinking. It, <laughs> could just be. Uh, I guess. I guess we'll find out when we find out. Yeah, I wonder how far along are they, you know, in the, in the creation of this. Or, or if, anyway, we'll find out. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like they're at least most of the way through development when I they too, finally when announce, they announce stuff. stuff. So, yeah, so yeah. That, that way they know that, like, there's not a way that it's definitely not going to come out or exactly. will definitely come out. Uh, speaking of announcing stuff way ahead of time with... Now, recently, uh, Paramount and Nickelodeon had announced that uh, there's like there's whole an Avatar Studios, uh, basically under under that ladder of those companies, uh, that or banner I guess now, uh, with in between doing this, like, there's going to be doing like these three animated films that are going to be coming out within the next few years. Uh, so we have in let me double check this so the original creators uh mike and brian expand the avatar universe uh they're keeping all of the familiar uh, characters uh, with uh, bringing the same kind of uh, animation and workmanship that they did on the animated series between uh, the last airbender and the legend of korra uh they'll be bringing those back for this as well uh so like the last airbender that aired from like 2005 to 2008 and then legend of korra aired from 2012 through 2014 and 
like since then they've you know there's the live action film that M Night Shyamalan did, and now there's also the live action uh, series that's being in in development and in works at Netflix. Uh, albeit without the involvement of like the original creators of that series. So like with this like division of Nickelodeon Animation, they announced uh, back in February of last year. Uh, it's basically des- designed to create original content spanning like the animated series and movies based uh, like within the world of the Last Airbender and Legend of Korra for like Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon. So for that, uh, um, it sounds like like with these these movies, there's from what I saw, it sounded like there was a, a film coming out. F- I'm not seeing it in this, uh, like from Deadline, but I saw some something else where uh, 2023 was supposed to have a film about uh, one specific character, and then 2024 was going to have a film based on Prince Zuko, and then 2025 was going to have a film based off of Korra. Okay. Uh, so that that should be interesting. I like me and my summer actually have been. Because it was on my like my blind uh, guilt list of stuff that I hadn't watched yet, uh, so my son and I have been watching through Avatar: The Last Airbender, and then once oh, we nice. watch Legend of Korra. Have he watched? Yeah, um, has your son seen any of these before? This this watch with you, or no? Yeah, we're both watching it for the the first time. Oh, like, cool! I. I've already, like, I've seen the series finale of Last Airbender just because, for whatever reason, I caught that. Yeah. When it was on TV. So, like, I know how it all ends for that story. But, uh, and I had seen, like, the beginning of the show many times. Uh, it just, I never watched all the way through it. And now, you know, after watching, like, The Clone Wars and Rebels and all that, um, I'm definitely a big fan of Dave Filoni, who worked on... Uh, the Last Airbender as well, yeah, yeah. as well as uh, Giancarlo Volpe, uh, who also did like the Green Lantern animated series. And I think he also worked on that Tron Uprising. Oh yeah, animated, you know I think you're yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been a fan of like the way both of them do storytelling, uh, so I've liked watching it so far. But I, I point this one out to to Patrick when we've been watching Last Airbender, I was like, I know Aang is supposed to be like a little, like a young kid, but like he, like he's kind of a douchebag, isn't he? Like Aang, Aang's kind of, like, kind of a jerk. He's pretty like, cocky. A lot. And I'm hoping, I guess maybe, cause we're like halfway through season two. Okay. I'm hoping as it gets closer to the end, he's like less and less not, a jerk yeah or I, I guess maybe like matures and whatnot because like yeah, like right now i found myself getting kind of annoyed annoyed with a lot of the stuff ang does on the show at this point in the series like where we we are the last episode we watched they were at a library uh trying to find or they had just yeah they, they were just at a library where they found like when the eclipse was gonna have happen to try to stop the the fire nation yeah and while they were while they were in there appa got stolen 
Uh, so that's kind of like where we are in the, the story right now of The Last Airbender. I don't know if that jogs your memory at all for like where we are, but that, that is where we are in the story. Nice. How, I think that's so cool that you're watching it together. Uh, okay. That's great. And well, yeah, he's a big fan of anime, and I know technically Avatar sometimes gets grouped in as being anime, which though it's technically not because it's not animated in Japan. Uh, and he, he will not let me not know that because <laughs> he, he is definitely a huge fan of, of a bunch of different anime shows. Uh, so he definitely lets me know what the difference is between yeah. uh, uh, Avatar, which is not anime, and shows that are actually That anime. are true anime, yeah. Uh, but speaking of not anime, that's wrapping up our news section, and it leads us into our trailers section this week. Oh my gosh. Uh, we got so many trailers. <laughs> yeah. Now, like... Uh, I'll let you take away with this first one because this one I don't think we'll talk about too much because it's just I feel like it's more of just like here's some more footage again. Yeah, the trailer um, is more. This movie comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah, you know, this is from Minions: The Rise of Gru from from Illumination and Universal, and this movie was supposed to come out in 2020, and yeah. you know got pulled. So I, I remember seeing a bunch of trailers, you know, a couple years ago for it. Uh, yeah. These these latest trailers for now that now that it's got this new release date, which is July first, uh, have been all just very just gag oriented. You know, they're just showing what I would assume are going to be segments from the film with just the minions being the minions. And yeah. uh, and this was got uh, there's a there's an airplane flight involved where the minions are the pilots and the flight attendants. So you can imagine the mayhem, you know. But um, not necessarily. Revealing, you know, what's in the plot, right. which is really, I think, Gru's origin story. You know, you know, basically, um, hence the title. You know, the rise of Gru. But uh, I mean, it's and it's funny. It's uh, you know, if you like the minions, I think I think uh, you know, minions fans should be pleased. And uh, what, what did what did you think of the trailer, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was good. It's almost kind of like a like you said it's like more of like a vignette of like a, yeah. a scene from the movie with, with random kind of clips of stuff that happens after that yeah uh, later on but yeah I, th- I I think it's mostly like like you said because it was supposed to come out two years ago and then uh, I think it initially got delayed to last July because they didn't they couldn't finish the animation in time to get it out for July of 2020 because of the pandemic and then just got delayed because of the pandemic mm-hmm. to 2021 and then got delayed again still because of the pandemic. I remember I remember there being toys at McDonald's in Yeah, in no, I think exactly. I think they couldn't pull them, you know. <laughs> it was the train had already yeah. <laughs> left the station. Yeah, that's that's been some of the like the kind of like funny like weirdly funny marketing merchandise tie and stuff over the past couple of years because yeah. of everything was like, like, cause there's all like this food tie and stuff for it too. That like has been out for like years with like, like the minions, like cheese nips. And cause I remember that was like the, like uh, wonder woman 84, there was like all those Doritos and stuff that came out like, yeah. six, six months before six the movie did before when the movie yeah, got so, rescheduled. Yeah. I think, I think we're possibly finally 
past all of like that delayed like marketing stuff because yeah we're to let's the point hope all the movies that had come out or were supposed to come out two years ago have either finally come out or are on the precipice of finally coming out right because you know uh top gun maverick got well and like uh, delayed seven times but that ended up being okay for that movie. I was so glad that at least it was good. And yeah, and it's been a huge hit. Because if I saw that trailer one more time. <laughs> you know, yeah. They just, yeah, I saw that same trailer for two years. But yeah, uh, I'll I'll see Minions and we'll, we'll probably do an episode about it in a couple weeks. Yeah, too, so. yeah. But uh, the the new trailer, and this trailer is funny too. It's, it's definitely a teaser trailer. It, it literally came out like, the day we released the last episode of or like that I released the last episode of this for the Bob's Burgers episode because they put it out I th- I want to say we did I did the Bob's Burgers episode uh, back on like June 13th and then yeah. I think the the trailer for this was released June 14th <laughs> I know it was just, yeah I mean you know I know I was I was out of town and unable to participate but I know that we were messaging each other, just saying, "Wow, yeah. this, yeah, timing." But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this film. I like the, the take. So we're talking Strange this. World, Strange World from Walt Disney yes. Animation oh, yes. Studios. Yes, Strange World, uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, who else? Because they, they announced. Yeah, they announced. Was, I think it's Dennis Quaid and like Lucy Liu. I think. Uh, yeah, because they announced it after the trailer. It was weird. Like yeah, it was weird. It, like, and then and then they yeah and then they put out a, like a still. Uh, yeah, which was basically I think just in the, the, trailer. the trailer. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, so it's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal lends his voice to Searcher Clade, the son of a steadfast explorer. Uh, the original action adventure journeys deep into uncharted and treacherous land, where fantastical creatures await the legendary uh, Clades, uh, f- a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and by far most crucial mission. Uh, it's directed by Don Hall, who uh, did Big Hero Six and Raya and the Last Dragon, uh, and co-director writer uh, Key Nijin. Apologies if I mispronounced. And I think he was involved with Raya and the Last Dragon, too. Yeah, they were the. Wasn't he the the writer or the co director of that one as well? Yeah, they were the co writer of uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, he was the screenwriter. Yeah, and then this comes out November 23rd of this year. Uh, I like the animation style for this, too, because it seems like. I do, too. Jake Gyllenhaal's character has like a very Ardman. Yeah, kind of star, or like Ardman mixed with uh, um, Tintin. Yes, exactly. It's, it, it, it's it's the nose. Yeah, that nose is is I think is so interesting, and uh, I no I think he just nailed it because I, I I'm excited just again knowing so little about the story, but the way I thought the way they did the trailer to make it seem like it's. Uh, like from the fifties, oh, yeah, like you know, like old school. Yeah, trailer, old school, like a, like the four by three. Yeah, black and white. Black and white you know, uh, initially it starts, but it reminded me of 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 
like classic 50s sci-fi like uh forbidden planet you know or journey to the center of the earth or you know or that type of vibe yeah. um so clearly, you know, clearly an adventure movie. I don't know, and I don't know if they're going off planet or if this is like the center of the earth or something. Who knows? But we'll find. Oh, yeah. We'll be finding out. But uh, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm really excited for this film too. Yeah, it definitely looks very imaginative, especially with like how, like the animation style for it, like the creatures, the the world in it. Uh, uh, speaking of like the trailer too, I noticed. Uh, when I saw Lightyear again, uh, when they in the trailer they, until it opens up to the the full sixteen by nine aspect ratio, it's like a mono audio track. Oh yeah, until, okay. Until cool. it opens up, it's, so it's kind of and then it goes the to stereo. Things. Yeah, like how kind of like I think Sam Raimi did that when he did the Oz the Great and Powerful movie, like where how yeah. the, the movie starts in the black and white and then you know opens to the three D. So they were kind of playing around with that too. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to this, uh, and it's it'll be cool to see like another original uh, animated film from Walt Disney like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really stoked for that. So Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, we said yeah, Thanksgiving of um, of this year. So next up in trailers is the Sea Beast, which is a new feature coming to Netflix. It's directed by Chris Williams, who is a Walt Disney Animation Studios veteran. He, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was like a co-director on Bolt. And yeah, and then uh, Moana and Big Hero Mo- 6. Moana Big Hero 6, yeah. So, you know, he he uh, made the move over to, to Netflix, I think, as many uh, animators have done. And this, I believe, is his first feature at Netflix, it's an adventure movie. Um, it's about, or clearly, it's it's set kind of like looks to me. Um, I mean, I hate to say like old fashioned, but like, like the era of pirates, you know, and stuff, and and uh, uh, you know, sea exploration, and and uh, this guy who's a monster hunter. He is voiced by Carl Urban, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I guess the, the three voices that are listed are Carl Urban, Dan Stevens, and Jared Harris. So I think Carl Urban is the is is the name, is the voice of this main adventure. But please forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. But the, but a young girl stows away on the ship, and then you know kind of changes the the course of this particular monster hunting ad, uh, uh, adventure. Or venture, so you know it looks it looks creative. The animation looks nice. Uh, I I feel like, like like kind of the jury's out on it. I I I I like Chris Williams' work, and so I can't imagine that he's going to do anything that that would be like kind of not good. But yeah, but uh, I guess you know we'll we'll see. This one. Uh, is coming out. I think it's July. Oh, yeah, it's coming out in like select theaters. Oh yeah, it's gonna June. be out in theaters before like Netflix does like a week or two before, right? Then is it July tenth? Yeah, and I, th- I think Netflix basically just does that so that the film can be eligible to be yep, nominated. Exactly. For... So they they put it out in like, which 
kind of bums me out for like some of these movies because I would actually like to have the option of seeing them in theaters if I could and not only have to live in Los Angeles or New York City to be able to do that. Well, often though too, I know you know at least some of these movies they've showed up in Salt Lake City, uh, but uh-huh. it, but it's only for like a week. You know, you have to be like on yeah. your game because <laughs> they get. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Because that the Adam Sandler uh, basketball movie that yeah on Netflix was here in in Phoenix. So and the power of the dog like played played in Salt Lake City for like a week. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, I'm um, side note: our buddy Darren, his daughter Julia, is going to be in the new Russo Brothers movie, uh, The Gray Man. I'm. I know that's getting uh, like a select. Yeah, that's gonna be in theaters too. too. Isn't that? I know. I saw. I saw that. That was so, so cool. Yeah. So I'm hoping Julia be here in Phoenix because I'd rather see that in a theater. Than oh, me too. On, me too. On Netflix, if possible. But yeah, with this this Cebus movie, I like this was like a a commercial on like ad on Netflix that like played during something else, uh, and I just ended up watching the whole trailer because that's how it like actually pulled me in enough to watch that and I'm yeah like, oh, cool i'll check this out and then that made me add it to the show notes for this no i'm glad uh, you did it, it's it's july 8th is is the day okay. it's kept coming to netflix so check your yeah, local too, listings you know not too far off probably you know that 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 first part of july like when um minions opens you know uh it, because it, it looks epic enough that it might be really, really great to see on, on, on the big screen, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then the the next one, we, we've talked about this before, the Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank uh, movie that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Uh, they released another trailer another for it. Another trailer. And it's, and it's one of those trailers that's done in, like, the way where uh, it's, like, done as, like, uh, I don't know, like a homage or... It tries to pay some kind of connection to a bigger movie that's in theaters at the same time that the trailer is getting released. So, like, this one has, like, this Jurassic Park-based kind of font at the beginning of it. And then uh, there's, like, a, you know, like, the water that has the ripples through it when you hear, like, rumbling going on. And then, of course, Samuel Jackson does... A voice in this so that's another Jurassic Park connection there and I think there's even like a thing to hold on to your butts like within the yeah like the wording of that so they're, they're like really playing off the Jurassic Park Samuel Jackson angle in this it's and it's a lot of that same footage from that that first trailer that we saw uh, but there is actually some footage I saw in that first trailer that I liked a little bit more like that's done like in that more like weird visual style where it's like the like hard light or like kind of silhouetted outlines of the characters yeah which i know they're not they're not going to do the whole movie that way but i i liked that kind of like uniqueness to what it looked like there uh there's not really too much more in this trailer that makes it too much different from that first trailer we saw it's got the the fart jokes are back (laughs) um yeah the the Sam Sam Jackson mother father cocker spaniel line is still in this one so it's you know trying to play off of the kid friendly version of what Sam Jackson's known for saying 
But he could just say, "I've had it with these these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane." That's, that's my, my favorite version of that. Yeah, snakes yeah. on a plane. I think that's. I think that should just be the replacement for it. Yeah, in, I agree. In any movie that he's was, in, you know, that's the yeah. Had it with these monkey these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, Pause of Fury, Legend of Hank. Uh, and well, I think the only difference in this trailer is there is more uh, voiceover you can hear from Mel Brooks. Yeah, it seemed like there was which, some, yeah, some little which, added. Yeah, like which, as you mentioned, this is apparently a riff and take off of Blazing Saddles in some way. Which I guess maybe will be more apparent, like once you watch, like yeah, movie, so maybe once, like yeah, these, once we see it. With the way these trailers are cut, you can't really. You want to be able to pull that from like what they're showing in the trailers. Yeah. So, I guess we will see. So this next trailer, Mark, I I loved it. It's for the, the new Puss in Boots sequel. It's Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, and couple things that really stood out for me number one was just the humor i i often i mean you know i, I laugh pretty easily but a lot of times with these trailers i like like pause of fury i kind of didn't laugh but i know that i'm not i'm really not the target audience either you know fart jokes or whatever but i laughed throughout this puss and boost trailer just like repeatedly just because i thought what they were showing was uh so funny and i can't wait to to see the the animation in this movie because I just love like what DreamWorks did with the bad boys, you know, earlier this year. They're doing some really interesting stuff with their like with their backgrounds and some of the other stuff with with within the animation. It's not just like kind of classic DreamWorks CGI. It almost it looks very painterly and and uh very very stylistic. Uh, I uh I'm super excited for the for this film. What's yeah, your what's I, your take on it? I'm definitely looking forward to this too. I like uh, Florence Pugh. I saw a post yes. of this recently, so I'm glad that she's going to be in the movie as well. Uh, I like there's like this one shot or like extended sequence in here where like Puss has like a a beard, <laughs> which is which is interesting like an interesting idea to give a cat a beard yeah there since they have fur so it's basically just like he let his fur grow longer on his <laughs> face i guess yeah but he didn't get to shave <laughs> yeah but i like i like how it like plays with like uh like goldilocks uh and the three bears and uh like the big bad wolf in here yeah. Speaking speaking of uh, DreamWorks and uh, the bad guys with the Big Bad Wolf. Yep. Uh, but what's kind of cool, too, is because, like, since Puss uh, is an existing character from, like, a, an existing franchise that they've done, it's cool that they actually uh, played with the idea of, like, how to do the animation for this and, like, change it up in a way where it's... It's not fully like redone so so much to the point where you can't tell that it was you know like that it's part of the the Shrek right line of films but it 
done in a different enough of a visual style uh, that gives it kind of like a new uh, like feeling a new like flair to it uh, that makes it feel fresh in a way uh, and it's we've talked about it before too where it's like closer to that like uh, into the spider-verse kind of uh, and then uh, like you said too a little bit closer to like the bad guys where it's like animated differently to like style wise as well as to like some of it looks like it's animated on twos rather than uh, threes uh, so it's like just missing like that like, yeah like that one bit of frame of animation to make it move just a little bit differently um, so I'm definitely looking forward to checking this out this says it's coming out around Christmas too so we'll definitely have plenty of uh, animated content to watch around Christmas which tends to be the case just because it's the, it tends to be a time where it's a, lot a time of where families and families people are go, out, go to movies yeah yeah which is ironically funny that we're getting uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio film on Netflix then because he was also a producer on the first Puss in Boots film yeah and yeah I, and uh, here's speak really quick or kind of play around for a minute I'm gonna I want to double check to see if he did anything on the sequel to this because I wonder if he did I feel like he would have maybe yeah that maybe he's a um, executive producer or something yeah oh and I I noticed that uh, Harvey uh, Gillian uh, like I don't know if, how many people know who he is but I uh, like if they watch uh, what we do in the shadows he's uh Guillermo on that uh, he's he's doing a voice in this film too uh, let's see all cast and crew you know I don't see Guillermo's name alright so I guess not but I know I definitely know that he was part of the first movie the first one yeah uh, yeah so I, I did that, that is kind of a little bit of a funny connection going from the, the first to this, the second one and him having a film coming out around the the same time but our last trailer is also from dreamworks and it is the it's a, a tv series uh, for netflix it we've talked about this a little bit before but it's the uh it's a new trailer for the kung fu panda the dragon knight and with and it's like highlighting that jack black is back as the voice of poe for this uh and this show it's about when a mysterious pair of weasels set their sights on a collection of four powerful weapons poe must leave his home to embark on a globetrotting quest for redemption and justice that finds him partnered with up with a no-nonsense english knight named wandering blade uh voiced by rita ora and then the, together the two of the mismatched warriors set out on an epic adventure to find the magic weapons first and save the world from destruction so I'm more mostly just kind of curious to check this out only because now Jack Black is back as the voice of Poe. Uh, I will watch it because of that. Uh, otherwise, I don't know if I would be too keen on watching it still just because I haven't watched the other uh, Kung Fu Panda stuff that they've done past the films. Yeah. Mostly just because I feel like Jack Black is Poe. So like, I know it's yeah, 
Yeah. Like, not to put down any other voice actors, but, like, Poe is very dis- distinct. Jack Black. Jack Black. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Which, I guess this might make uh, some arguments that we talk about later in this moot to, like, people getting upset about other people voicing characters in certain franchises by <laughs> other certain studios. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. But yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on the the Kung Fu Panda? I think this is I think this is a TV series. Yeah, it's right? it's it's a Netflix it's a Netflix series. Uh, I echo your sentiments, Mark. I, I'm glad that Jack Black is in the role because that is his role, you know. Uh, yeah. I you know the animation looks looks decent. Hopefully they've crafted an interesting story. I'm probably going to pass. I don't, you know, feel like it's something I'm particularly interested in. Although I am happy Jack Black is is in the role, and I hope they've given him some. I hope they've given him a good script. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, and I hope the Kung Fu Panda fans will uh, enjoy it. Definitely. But yeah, uh, that's coming out soon, and then that wraps up our trailers, uh, and then to wrap out. The first half of our show, just going to talk about our recommendations quickly before moving on to the main topic of Lightyear. Uh, and speaking of Lightyear, uh, there's two things I would suggest that are currently on Disney Plus right now, and they're both uh, kind of like making of behind the scenes uh, docu-series, documentaries about. Um, so the first one is Beyond Infinity, Buzz and the Journey to Lightyear. Uh, which is basically all about the character of Buzz Lightyear throughout the Toy Story films and shorts and uh, the holiday specials. It does not touch on the Patrick Warburton uh, 2D animated series uh, at all. Because, yes, other people have voiced Buzz Lightyear since 1995. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It it has not always been voiced by Santa Claus, uh, Tim Allen. Yep. but yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed that. Uh, I think I think it's definitely worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the Toy Story franchise or Buzz Lightyear in general, or just Pixar in general. And this seems like uh, I don't, and I kind of wonder if it will be when the 4K and or the Blu-ray comes up for Lightyear, if it'll be included oh, on yeah that set because it seems like it's that type of programming, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like something that normally would be yeah. And I'd have to double check, but I want to say like that turning red, uh, like making of that they did of like that on Disney Plus was on that set. Uh, so it would stand to reason that this Lightyear one would also be on Lightyear set. Yeah. So, and the other thing I would suggest is uh, there's the 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 series uh, Marvel Studios Assembled, and they do like you know they've done like the making of episodes of like each of their series and films. And this one was specifically that I watched recently about the What If series. And that one's really cool because it goes into, like, the whole uh, of hiring Jeffrey Wright to do the voice for the Watcher in that series. As well as developing the animation style for that show. And how each of the episodes were written. And, like, like, okay, this is point A of, like, this is where it kicks off the story. But then what's point z of that what what are all the ramifications of how this change changes everything else in there and there's like some 
there's some cool stuff in there that with them talking about uh Chadwick Boseman and like how fun it was to work with him doing his vo- voice work for the series uh and there's a little bit of uh uh stuff talking about like what they plan on wanting to do like for a second season and like how many episodes they were initially ordered to produce for it so I would I would definitely suggest checking this out especially if you're a fan of like the Marvel movies and the animation for that show too it's uh i really enjoyed that one i think out of like all the the marvel studios assembled episodes they've done so far off of the making of uh of their shows and films of the ones i've watched far uh that one would be my favorite oh nice okay cool um i'm excited to watch that Lightyear. well you know the the beyond infinity i haven't watched that yet i saw that was available plus then of course i saw it was on your recommendation list uh so um, outstanding. I have a very random one, Mark. So for another another project, film watching project I'm working on, I I ended up rewatching. I, you know, it's been years since I've seen it, but the 1989 Disney film Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And nice. you may ask, what does that have to do with animation? <laughs> uh, first off, I mean this is random, but the opening credits of that movie are animated and they're really cool. Uh, and if you remember that, and I and I neglected to write down who put those together. That was, you like, know. A, that was like a late '80s, early '90s thing that happened. Yes, because like the Christmas Christmas Vacation. Yep, the whole opening to that was all animated too. It just reeked of yeah that that time period, you know, <laughs> late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. But it was really you know that was really fun. But the main thing, Mark, was I I was just so I was reminded. I mean, it's, you know, the movie's directed by Joe Johnson, who who knows his stuff, right? When it comes to special effects yeah. and and practical, you know, practical effects and whatnot. But the practical effects are so cool, and there's also some really cool stop motion animation that's done kind of all a Ray Harryhausen, you know, with the yeah. with the ant and the the scorpion. And uh, I just anyway, I was just I was impressed by it, and and just and and was reminded of that. There's some uh, other kind of interesting animation to be found in kind of unexpected places. Very cool. Yeah, that that's a great show, or a great movie. Uh, and then tangentially to that, I don't. I think you've probably watched this show. There's an episode of Prop Culture oh my on Disney Plus. That Prop specifically, Culture show. Yeah, it's so fantastic. Just, yeah, it's specifically about like the shrink rate. I think it was like the first thing that got Rick Moranis. Yeah. Out, out from his that, his you know yeah. retirement or whatever you know you, you call it yeah outside of that random cell phone commercial with ryan reynolds yeah exactly <laughs> but but yeah uh honey i shrunk the kids is definitely a great movie and i, I think they're also doing because it's kind of the thing on disney plus now between the santa claus yeah. disney plus series and then aren't they doing a kind of a honey i shrunk something you know series yeah, and I think Rick Moranis is coming back for that, and Josh Gad is playing his his son in that. Oh, too. that's right. I think I remember. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, Josh Gad finally gets one of these Disney Plus series that he has in development to actually. Then make they it actually all get the yeah, that actually gets produced. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he's not hurting, but like, I think he's had like two well, or like three, three shows. Yeah. And like, yeah, that that Gaston and. Uh, LeFou one was like 
all like basically they were like ready to film almost about to start production and like and they had just announced they cast somebody and then they're like all right never mind so yeah but yeah that's that's the the first half of our show this week uh from here we are gonna come back after you hear the audio uh from the trailer to pixar's Lightyear. Uh, but we will be back in a moment after that is over. Buzz Lightyear mission log. After a full year of being marooned on this planet, our first test flight is a go. Let's get everyone home. Good luck, Captain. We're counting on you. Roger that. And that was the trailer for Disney and Pixar's Lightyear that just came out this past June 17th, uh, which is Pixar's first uh, film to be theatrically released since uh, Onward in March. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say February of 2020 because I remember I saw it on February 29th because they they did like a whole special. Because it was onward and it was like set in like that mythical thing. They're like, oh, let's release it funnily on February 29th of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that whole movie only got to be out in like theaters for two weeks. Yeah, it's two weeks and then and then theaters shut down for COVID. Yep. But yeah, so this is, uh, I tweeted this the other day too, but it was nice and it felt good to be able to see a Pixar film sitting in a theater again for the oh, first time. I know. It made me so happy. Since February of uh, 2020 for me at least. When that I Yeah, that was the last one for me too. I I saw onward. I, I I believe I saw it opening weekend or like the Monday after. And I'm so glad I did because Yeah. <laughs> then you have to watch it on Disney Plus like Yeah, and then I watched on Disney Plus <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's that's been the bummer of the past two years too. Is like, onwards a, wait, and this is kind of it's all kind of like weird in a way because the last th- film that went to theaters was Toy Story four, outside of Onward, so the last two movies that have had like you know full theatrical runs will be Toy Story related films. So oh, interesting. Yeah, because Toy Story four was summer of. 2019 yeah. right yeah 2019 yeah and uh, then onward got like the two-week treatment because of the pandemic then soul and luca so and luca turning and turning red, red all were straight to disney were all, plus yeah onward soul luca and turning red were all like original characters original films uh a lot of them with uh different uh, persons of color in those films as like the main characters too so that that was always the kind of tough thing with with when I kind of realized that Lightyear was going to be this first Pixar movie that got to come back and be the first movie back for them in theaters, which ended up not technically being a an original story from them, other than because it's kind of based off a pre-existing character that they did, and then it's and then the main character is uh, like a white a white dude interesting <laughs> so after doing all of all these films like building up 
and like diversifying uh, like their main characters that they've had in their movies it, it like i know it wasn't done on purpose but optically wise it's very it kind of in a, in a way is kind of a bummer for <laughs> the the in-between movies to that that were original films that uh kind of like you know opened up like the window to sh- showing the window to like different cultures and whatnot in them that this one then end up ends up being the first one out of the gate yeah uh and like i know with uh this movie it also i think it's like one of going to be another one of the picture films that doesn't open or didn't open at number one uh like yeah the majority of their films i know not all of them have uh, right i believe like the good dinosaur uh inside out I- ironically inside out did not open at number one because of Jurassic World. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Lightyear did not open at number one because of Jurassic I World. I think Jurassic Dominion. World and also the strength of Top Gun Maverick. I, you know, I, I would yeah. contend that that is part of it. Uh, and it's almost like the same... Well, it's not exactly the same, but it's like the same demographic almost for Lightyear and Top Gun. Yeah. Because uh, it's not exactly like the same story or anything like that, but it's similar-ishness in a way. Right. Uh, I'll also uh, kind of post or like leave in the show notes this link to about like the whole box office of it all. I stopped kind of like paying attention to box office for a lot of things just because I know uh, Pixar will be okay. And... I just I don't I don't even like really look at reviews for any stuff a lot of the times anymore anyways too because generally I know if I'm gonna watch something I'm gonna watch something I don't really yeah rely or um, depend too much on what others say I just I'll check out stuff like of people that I know and like like I'll like listen to your podcast about and talking about like different movies and stuff coming out or like other friends that like write up reviews and things like that as well uh just because you know my friends and want want to support them and yeah. whatnot uh but like out, outside of that i don't like look for like a random right like, be like i need to know such and such um but... i'm with you i don't depend on like one person or you know whoever specified for to to guide if i want to see a film or not I mean, yeah. I'll take input from friends, you know, like if a friend sees something and it's just like, dude, you know, stay away <laughs> or that it's horrible or that it's really good. You know I mean? Just both. Then I, you know, that I take much more seriously than I would reading some, you know, um, somebody's review. I don't yeah. pay attention. And, and box office news makes me insane. Uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, I know that I know that it's the reality of the business. But, you know, like I read some disparaging headlines, you know, about Lightyear. And then I I stopped reading, you know, today because it took second, you know, it took second place. And and then people are trying to give all these reasons and stuff. And maybe some of it's valid. And, you know, some of it just just is what it is. And and it didn't detract from how much I enjoyed them. You know, I mean, I still love the movie, which which I know we'll get into. 
just because it took second place in the box office doesn't mean that I'm going to love the movie or dislike the movie, you know, depending on if it was something else, you know, any, any more or any less. It's anyway, it's just me, <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. it's how I cope with it. And yeah, like, uh, and you and I kind of said, or said this off mic too, was that, uh, we almost think that part of the reason for like the box office for this too, like another reason might be is that now a lot of uh, more like casual film goers have been almost conditioned in a way over the past uh, two years or so to be like, oh, I I just get the new Pixar movie for quote unquote free on on Disney Plus the day that it comes out, and this was the first one. Yeah, I think that. I wonder. I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of it. Sadly, and I'd love yeah. to explore the. I don't know if we do it. If we talk about it some now, Mark, or, or in a future episode, but is is a movie going, you know, a new Disney movie getting put on Disney Plus, is that a kind of like a, a, sim, a sign that Disney doesn't have faith in the movie that it could carry a theatrical release? Or is it, I mean, I think it's com- complex. Or is it, uh, you know they have faith in it, and and they want to like build the Disney Plus audience, and they know that's what one way or the other they're going to do it. You know, I thought that about this a lot during you know the releases of of, of Soul, Luca, and Inside Out, or excuse me, and Turning Red, um, because I was bummed. I wanted to see them on the big screen, but also here we were in the pandemic, and and people weren't necessarily going to theaters unless it was you know. Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, right. and and uh, I, I have mixed feelings about it, and of course, I don't, you know, I would love would love to talk to somebody at Disney about it if they could, you know, if they would be candid enough or whatever, or able to talk about it. But what's what's your take? And again, we can push this off to another to another episode too. But makes me, I wonder, I wonder about it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely curious specifically like what the reasons were like between like like the walt disney animation studios films like that they would put on there like with the disney yeah uh, premiere access right the whole premiere access thing for raya and and kanto wasn't but like in kanto it was the mulan the mulan live action oh yeah 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 like raya and mulan and cruella Oh, and Cruella. Uh, yeah, that's right. And Jungle Cruise. Oh, and, uh, yeah, and Jungle Cruise all got the Disney premiere access, but like every Pixar movie that got put on there was just, you know, oh, here it is. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what the reasoning was behind that. It's like a weird... I remember reading... We read stuff, too, where it was like some animators there talked about being like, uh, like candidly like kind of upset about like it. Like this was a hurtful thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and then I saw other stuff talking about like how it just showed the value of Pixar, where they knew people would. I don't, I don't know. It's like it's it would drive weird... viewership. It would drive subscriptions, you know, to Disney Plus. Yeah, but then, like we said, I don't know if that conditioned people to then yeah. expect and Pixar movies for free the day they come out. I think there's another thing going on, Mark, that I could be wrong, but it's just you know, and maybe it's just the people that I. 
am following on Twitter, but and they're not. I don't think some of these people are necessarily Pixar haters, but I think there was confusion about the story amongst some oh, yeah. people, and I wondered if that has taken into effect some of the box office. And I don't know if it's something that you would, you know, and I'm not trying to point fingers like marketing didn't do their job or someone's, you know, something, but I, I, I wasn't confused about it. Once, once, once I heard an explanation about what was, you know, this was like, Oh, okay, that's cool. But others that I've, you know, again, I've just, I've just different tweets that I've seen. There was like, like legitimate kind of confusion. And then, I think like some frustration about about that, like that, like that caused them to like dislike the film. And right. again, that's that's not how I think about it, but that's just my way, you know, of thinking about it. Not you know, everybody, of course, is entitled to their own opinion. But I just I wondered if that was part of the lower box office. What's what do you what do you think? Yeah. Uh... I don't know. Like, I know, like, the last thing that they released was definitely, like, the most straight into the point. Here's what this movie is. Yeah. In 19. Well, and it's even at the beginning of this movie, too, where it's yeah. like in 1995. Uh, although, part of me wondered, is like, what if this is the first movie someone sees a Pixar and they're like, wait, who's Andy? I know. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, it says in 1995, Andy saw saw a film it's uh, relying that you're familiar with toy story yeah but th- but that's what i thought of after i was like wait what if i was like a four-year-old kid and this was the the first picture movie yeah. i ever saw and i'll just be like wait what does this mean who who's andy <laughs> <laughs> yeah part of like uh spoiler alert uh, right here but the like the movie has the three tag scenes to it Part of me, because because there's that one that's like after the Pixar logo. Yep. At the, at the end of the movie. Yep. And I, I half expected that last tag scene to be a kind of like almost a mirror, like you're sitting in a theater watching the movie. Mm-hmm. I almost expected that last tag scene to be Andy sitting in the movie theater as the credits were rolling. On this Lightyear movie that we just watched, yeah, and like that was like the the tag scene, yeah. Because I know they did that uh, uh, Andy. They did that Andy experience, and experience. I went to that. Oh yeah, I didn't get to go to that. Um, and but I know I know they handed out like the art. They handed out a really like cool that. poster. That's the, the that was the main thing. You know, they, they and they also did a poster drawing for another poster. It was a different. It was. It was. The, have you seen that art where it's yeah, it's like a Andy Buzz, meets like, Buzz Lightyear. He's like yeah, and then but uh, this one was Andy in the movie theater. Yeah, and it's cute. And and that from you know again, I already understood it, but that that like brought the point home that they were trying to do. You know, but someone, not every, that's not someone, every, privy to everybody. Someone asked me a question of. Do Walt Disney animation or do Walt Disney and Pixar animation studios exist in the Toy Story universe? Because of in the in the framing of the movie, how it says this is that movie. Yeah. 
shows uh like you know what does need right it has the logos you know yeah yeah but they've also said in interviews that in the Toy Story universe, Lightyear is a live-action movie. So it wouldn't make sense for Pixar Animation Studios to make <laughs> a live-action movie. Yeah. I mean, I can see why people are maybe a little befuddled by some of this. I, I did answer uh, to the person that asked me that, uh, which was my, my friend Rudy. He's been on, on Animation Fascination years ago, too. Uh, was I was like, well, there are Bugs Life toys on the toy racks in Toy Story 2 and they have like all the the logos and stuff on it so I was like that's a Disney Pixar movie so that's <laughs> in the Toy Story universe so I was like yes yeah they exist then um but and yeah I think that was the only thing I could think of but I, I guess the first thing we should start, like we should start to get into the story of the movie though too is that I saw this in IMAX. So did uh, I. Did you get to see the center? Okay, yeah. With I th- thought it was really cool, especially we've talked about this too, where like this was the first animated film to be quote unquote shot right uh, with IMAX the IMAX aspect ratio. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, like the first spot, I remember it opening up to the full IMAX. Uh, ratio was like when Buzz uh, tries to enter into hyperspeed for that first time and it like opens to the whole screen like that. Yeah. And I think it's w- when it primarily uses it is like during like all like those hyperspeed. Some of those high, yeah. Yep. It's used a few other times throughout the movies, but that's specifically where I remember it. And I, I like the, like the 2001 A Space Odyssey like illusions. Yes. Uh, in those scenes specifically when he uh, finally does like hit hyperspace it's straight up basically that same visual oh uh, yeah i like, loved it shot for shot image of like what what is seen in that uh, but i thought that was was really cool i liked uh the the voice cast in this too uh, like we kind of alluded to uh, chris evans in here is uh buzz Lightyear. and there's been all these people that have gotten like Super bought her that they really replaced Tim Allen with uh, Chris Evans for the movie, but people tend to forget that Patrick Warburton also replaced Tim Allen first when they did the uh, like the 2D animated direct-to-video Buzz Lightyear of Star Command Adventure Begins uh, animated film, and then that spin-off television series that was that was Patrick Warburton. That wasn't that wasn't Tim Allen that that time either. So uh, take that, Patricia Heaton. I know. Every, Patricia Heaton is like... <laughs> every, everybody loves Chris. <laughs> I thought Chris Evans was a cool... I thought he was a cool choice. But again, yeah. you know... I think he did I think he did great. And I, was, I thought was kind of funny was because he was in the movie too was that um, Taika Waititi, of course, is a voice in the movie too. Yeah. And then definitely spoiler alert, spoiler alert for that twist with who Zerg was... Uh, with it being an older time traveling version of Buzz, voiced by uh, James James Brolin, which was not, so not great. Josh, not Josh Brolin, right? But his dad. Yeah, it's married to Barbara Streisand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought. I guess 
what did what did you think about that the twist on like who Zerg was like that Zerg was a robot and that inside or I guess he wasn't a robot it was more of like a mech suit yeah you know of course they they really tease that in the trailer you know you they, you see you know that Zerg robot or or Zerg right uh okay. so I, I I had wondered I I personally I thought it was cool uh, that that uh you know time travel time travel movies I typically have to, I mean and I don't mean this in a bad way I like feel like I have to check my brain at the door a lot of times with time travel movies just because they're kind of they're they're, they're so mind-boggling that you you can't really like follow a linear you know thing. I mean I mean you can and I think so so many of these are well like I think Lightyear was well written and well put together you know I'm not saying that it was sloppy and necessarily full of holes but when somebody meets an, an earlier or later version of themselves, that always blows my mind. But, it, but, 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 but for me, that's like part of the fun, you know? So yeah. when that was the case, I was, I just had a big smile on my face. I just thought, like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it's James Brolin and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And it took me a second to try to like figure out that in the movie too. Cause like they, they explain it. Uh, but then I had to like think about it for a second too. Yeah, so, like it. It made more sense on a second viewing. You know, I caught more. Basically, I caught more things. yeah. So basically, like that older version of Buzz is technically the Buzz from the Prime timeline, who went back or like did all this stuff first, and when he came back that that one time to the the planet that they were marooned on. He just he left, whereas this version that we've been following through the movie uh, ended up staying and meeting the like the friends that he made yeah. on that planet yeah uh, and when he like went like to the way 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 far future um, he like found all the stuff that he said that he did and then figured out he could go back but it seems like because of like where this other one was that he met. Uh, it was kind of like at this um, essentially like a nexus point where he couldn't go beyond or be or before this certain point. So I like thinking about like the, all this time travel stuff because I, I really like because well, Back to the Future is my favorite. Well, it's just thinking of Back to the Future. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting. Interesting too, like uh, I think you gave this like a four out of five stars on on Letterboxd. I did. I think I gave it the same thing, and I think part of the only thing that made it like miss like that fifth star was um, some of this time travel related stuff was just because the only thing I f- like they kind of give a reason to it, but I kind of found part of it confusing too was like the exact reason that the older buzz was coming back and doing specifically what he was doing other than like uh, to like try to get this buzz other than i guess just to try to get his crystal as well because his was all worn out was that like was was that specifically like the only reason why he was doing that uh i believe so but again you know, 
unsure, unclear. <laughs> yeah, but then like I was like, then why, why is he like doing all this like stuff, like sending like the the robots down to like shoot at the people? See, and this is where I had to turn my brain off. You know, it's just like okay, I can't, I don't really understand what's happening. I'm enjoying this. I don't really understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and and that I, was kind of a problem. You know, I I give it that is I, that is an issue. It's an issue for sure. Yeah, that that would I think that was maybe like my only kind of thing that I was trying to figure out and get past in it. Uh, but other than that, uh, I really liked the the direction by Angus McLean. Oh, I did too. Uh, and who's he's like you met a couple of years ago at yeah D23. I got to see him at D twenty three the D twenty three Expo yeah because you got the the short fry uh, or small fry. A buzz yeah. signed for me, uh, and he worked on Finding Dory, and then he's he's done plenty of stuff with Buzz in the past. And after he worked on Finding Dory, he actually pitched the idea for this movie back in uh, around 2016 or so. And I, I like how much of this movie like evokes like 1970s, early 1980s well, like, sci-fi. That's one of the things that I really loved about it too. Is that just yeah, as you just perfectly said the. Uh, the homage to, to so many different sci-fi films just was really, I thought, very well done. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, we talked about it a little bit, but my favorite, Peter, Peter Son, who, who you know does a bunch of stuff around Pixar besides just like directing films. He's done plenty of voices in other films too, but I think... It's kind of funny how like he ends up becoming like the the MVP of a lot of the movies that he ends up showing up in as as the voice. <laughs> yeah. When he he's just like the he's not like any of like you know the, the quote unquote like big name people they get to voice characters in the films, but a lot of the times he ends up stealing all of the scenes that he's in. And I I really loved all the the jokes with uh, socks. Oh, in this movie. everything with socks! I laughed. It's so funny. Stole the socks, steals the show. And uh, I, I think if people pay, pay attention to the show notes, I do Ruby too. I think the quote I'm gonna put in this one is, "I bought you five minutes." <laughs> <laughs> and I like when he shoots that that first dart and wait, and Buzz is like, "Wait, was that was, was that, that for me? me? If I got all the line?" Yeah. So I thought that was funny, and I liked uh, uh, Buzz's whole relationship with his his friend who becomes. Uh, kind of like the the commander, uh, Kiki Palmer, who is uh, both uh, Izzy Hawthorne. Uh, Isn't she Penny Proud? It, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. But I thought uh, she was great in it too, and I liked her whole story with like her family. And like you can see, I liked I liked that whole message in the movie too with like. Like hers was like she was living life and uh, like experiencing what was in front of her, um, and didn't have like tunnel vision. But then like Buzz like had the tunnel vision of getting the mission done, and he like ended up writing out like the like this entire life with like his friend, and like basically everybody else that like he was so um, one minded to try to fix the quote-unquote mistake that he thought yeah. he had made, that he didn't realize a lot of people were actually doing well from that mistake and were living their lives from that. Uh, and I, the other 
so I liked that whole kind of morale and whatnot for it. And then the other thing I liked uh, with the 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 rookie with them at the beginning too. That was I liked Bill Bill Hader. Bill Hader uh, <laughs> cam, cameo with them. The there. cameo, yeah, that was very good. I'm with you. I, that was one of the themes I really liked about this film in that, you know, Buzz is like, like just so focused on trying to correct a mistake he made. But because, yeah, but because of the mistake, people, most of the people were able to pivot and, and uh, create a good life. And, yeah. and he wouldn't allow himself. To do that that's that's i think a cool realization and also frankly i think an important life lesson you know for every for yeah. for all for all of us you know um yeah i liked that with him and like him learning to like uh, teamwork um not just like you know relying just on right through through the film too. Through, through the film both with 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 uh ivan you know the computer <laughs> yeah uh the Siri of the, of the film, and then um, and with yeah with, with his with his team that he's that he stumbles upon, uh, that maybe yeah that was that was really good too. I thought, well done. Yeah, uh, and then like the I liked that one joke with the like the sandwich. Uh, he's like, "What's uh what's going on here?" He's like, right. And you get all, you get wet hands. Too much bread. Uh, from, like the yeah, the the meat. A meat witch. Yeah, the meat, bread, meat. Yeah. But uh, was, was there any, uh, like, there was the, like, the three credit scenes of basically, like, um, the, like, the new, the new head. Uh, what's his, what was his name? Oh, what the heck's that guy's name? Yeah, that guy. Oh, uh, Burnside. Oh, uh, Burnside with the, oh, he's like, laser. Laser shield. Yeah. Uh, and then there is a uh, that Derek. ongoing gag with Derek the robot. Yeah, yeah. And I saw I saw our friends at Pixar post. They asked Angus McLean what Derek stood for. I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna try to find that really quick because he actually responded to them. So I wanted. Oh, that's cool. So I want to read off what he said to them well and this is also just you know as we've all been conditioned through marvel studios films but make sure you stay through the credits in this movie like the till like the lights go up like you know the movie is done because as as we had alluded to there is also one other thing that happens which we'll be talking about again but at the end of, of both the disney and pixar logos you know uh oh yeah which is kind of unexpected. I mean, I always you know stay through the end of movies, and I was glad I did because that, that's a good little. Oh, okay. So, like one of the other things Angus, Angus responded to was uh, blue suits are typically for science medical staff. Green is the standard space ranger. Red is for rookies. So that was like the like the different coloring uh, for for space ranger. Oh, okay. Uh, suits kind of similar to like how. Starfleet has their own yeah. like different colored uh, for Star Trek. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to find really quick. Where is their answer? Oh, oh, oh! Then did you also see Super Seven? Like, how many Super Seven did a like a one for one life size replica of socks? 
Yeah. That comes like, like in the same 400 case. 400 bucks or something. <laughs> it looks really cool, yeah. though. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really want that, but... Uh, not happening. Not yeah. for $400. No. Okay, so, so uh, Pixar Post resp- asked him, and they said, uh, one question that came to mind after seeing Light, Lightyear, Derek was great. Uh, what does Eric stand for, and why did he add the D later in the film? And what does the D stand for, too? And then, so he responded, I think it's everyday robotic industrial companion, and the D stands for death. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what his answer was that's, to that. Okay, um, that's great. But yeah, uh, we talked about a little bit, but the, that last post credit scene was uh, we see Zerg is revealed to have survived the explosion, and he's floating out in the space. So... Like sequel, this seems, yeah. This seems as far as like box office wise, not to be. Yeah, that, that's probably not gonna have a sequel, but they could if they, you know. Yeah, yeah. there's there's plenty of routes they could go with this too. Disney so. Plus show, you know, this yeah. could be any any number of things, you know, depending on. on, on, on yeah, and the like. The last thing I kind of wanted to just touch on quickly was that I, I loved Michael Giacchino's music. Oh, I did too. For the, yeah. for the movie too. Really great soundtrack. And there's the, there's like the, I think it was cool actually in this, I don't think I've noticed it before, but like in the, in the trailer, or not the trailer, the credits, they separated all of the orchestra into like the different Yeah, to the different instruments. And the credits, and, and the choir. Let's see the choir. That was really cool. I think that's cool. I've noticed that in some other films too, and I, I welcome it. You know, I think that that's, that's really wonderful that they, that they do that. And yeah. what a big orchestra. I mean, probably they all weren't playing at the same time, but, um, you know, or they had different people come in uh, with yeah. these, these different instruments. But, wow, that was cool. I agree. And, Mark, what did they call production? I can't remember what they called production babies. They had a oh, great name. Uh, future, for this one, it was Future Space Rangers. That's right, Future Space Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I liked how that was special to this this movie too. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, did you have any uh, last things you wanted to say about Lightyear before well, we close out? I'm so glad we could talk about this. Uh, I, I I really love. I I enjoyed this film tremendously. Uh, you know, the animation is stunning, and, and as you know, as we've as we've addressed, but. Uh, Maybe the story, you know, controversial. We'll call it. Maybe we'll just call it controversial, or just not not necessarily universally loved. But uh, see it on the biggest screen possible, uh, and and just go have fun. You know, I think I, I just thought Lightyear was was just just really just a classic summer movie, and a great. To me, it reminded me just of like great Disney movies uh, when I was a kid. You know, yeah. just 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 really just fun fun adventure movies that maybe are a little convoluted, but regard still, a, you know, a, 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 just a fun popcorn movie, great popcorn movie for the theater. And just enjoy enjoy this, the great animation and, and humor and adventure for sure. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend seeing IMAX if you can. Uh, 3D was also awesome. We went and saw that. Oh, did you night. see it in 3D? Yeah, in 3D for Father's Day. Nice. How was that? So, yeah, the 
it's it's the warp speed scenes that it's the coolest in for like both the IMAX and 3D because like especially how they play with the depth in the 3D. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely suggest seeing that, especially with all like the different stuff in space and how this movie works with all of that and how they play with the depth of field. <laughs> my my puppy Sylvie agrees. It's Sylvie, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sylvie's in agreement. <laughs> But yeah, on on that note, uh, we'll close out for the week. Uh, but don't forget, you guys can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibbert, my first name M A R C and last name V I B B E R T and Stanford. I'm at Stanford Clark. It's first name and last name. Yeah, because we make it easy for you guys. That's right. Uh, and then. Uh, I, Speaking of also making easy, you can find the show on Facebook and Instagram by just looking for Animation Fascination. Uh, we're on Twitter at Animated Podcast. And then you can email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Anchor, in which we're hosted on, also allows you to leave a voicemail just by tapping on the button there in the app if you want to do that. And let us know what you thought of Lightyear or anything else. Uh, and then I'm also going to be working on posting these newer episodes that we've been doing since coming back from hiatus back to our, our WordPress website too, just so there's more than just the anchor page to check them out on. Um, so there's more activity back at that original website again. Uh, and then you can also find uh, Animation Fascination merch at our T Public page too. Uh, I got a shirt. Stanford's I love my shirt. Stickers. Stanford's I think has some stickers too. Yeah, uh, and, and then I have a magnet, so there's there's plenty of animation fascination stuff there you can check out if you want any of it. Uh, and then our episodes are edited by Trent Factor. Uh, so for myself, I'm Mark Bibbert, and I'm Stanford Clark. And thank you guys for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time. Stanford to infinity and beyond. Mm-hmm.